Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. God, Brother Gaddy, thank you so much for being such a blessing. We love you. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Come on, lift up your hands and magnify the Lord with me right now. Let's give him high praise with our voices. We magnify you. We lift you high, Lord Jesus. We exalt you as the king of our heart. Praise God. There's nobody like you, Lord. That feels good. Come on, let's do it a little longer. Let's do it a little bit longer right now. He's worthy. God, you're worthy of high praise tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am so happy to be in church tonight. I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else than in the house of God tonight. I like what Pastor just said. You and I just won showing up here tonight. Anybody like to win? Anybody competitive competitive enough you like to win? I want you to turn to someone and say, you just won. You just won. You just won by being here tonight. Amen. Oh, it's good to be in church tonight. I greet you in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. I have thoroughly enjoyed my time in Wisconsin. I have thoroughly enjoyed being here. It feels like fall to me, and I thank God for that. This is my favorite time of year, and it is a true privilege to be here. Some of you have asked about my family. Let me tell you quickly about my family. I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Stacy. Uh, she is from Canada. I looked all over the United States for a wife, <laughs> and I could not find one. And so I went north. Good things happen when you go north, by the way. And uh, I I met my wife. She's from New Brunswick, which is an eastern province in Canada. We were married in Canada, and we've been married for a little over 20 years. She has also brought me two beautiful children. Madison is my daughter. She is 16, and she is now driving. So pray for me, please. And my son is Landon. He is 14 years old. I'm very grateful for my children. God has blessed me with two beautiful kids. Uh, Several years ago, we were at a youth camp in Arkansas, and both of my children received the Holy Ghost the same night, standing right next to one another. And so that was the highlight of my life outside of me being filled with the Holy Ghost and marrying my wife was seeing my kids filled with the Holy Ghost both very active in youth ministry at our local church and letting their light shine. And so I'm very, very blessed. I'm a blessed man tonight. And I'm blessed to, to meet so many of you. So many of you have come up and shook my hand. And to our great young people that are here, I give you honor. I thank you for who you are and what you mean to the kingdom of God right now. Amen. Uh, let, let me share with you a, a guy by the name of Walt who lived in Florida until the time of his death, when he was just in his mid to late 20s, befriended someone named Art. And one day, Walt 
took his friend Art out to the middle of an orange grove. And he said, Art, I'd like to ask you a favor. Art said, well, Walt, what is it? Go ahead, shoot. He said, I'd like you to go in with me and buy this orange grove. Let's be partners together. Art looked at him like, you're crazy, man. He said, I don't want it. I don't even like orange juice. I I don't want any part of an orange grove. And Walt said, I tell you what, why don't you go home and why don't you think about it for a, a night or two, sleep on it. You can come back and let me know. And his friend Art looked at him and said, Walt, I don't have to sleep on that. The answer is no. What Art did not know By the way, his name actually is Art Linkletter. He became a television celebrity many years ago. Was that his friend Walt Disney had something else in mind for that orange grove. And what he missed out on that day was the opportunity to invest in an entertainment empire that still bears his name to this day. See, all Art could do was see the oranges but Walt could see beyond the oranges here's why these kind of services are so important because we are worshiping a God that sees beyond Friday night a God who can see beyond the oranges can you turn to someone and say God can see beyond the oranges that's a good sermon title right there God can see what we cannot see. And so I was praying in my hotel room this afternoon and I felt the Lord very distinctly minister to me that the enemy of our soul is scared to death of what can happen tonight. If there is a young person or a young adult or just a person of any age who number one recognizes that God wants to use them and number two acts on that recognition. I mean, if you know, it's not enough just to say, and hey, I heard God say he wants to use me, but we have to place ourselves where God can use us. Amen? Amen. So how many of you want to be used by God? How many desire to be used by the Lord? Would you stand with me right now? And I'd like us, before we preach one word tonight, to tell Jesus that right now. I am available for you to use, Lord Jesus. If that's your prayer, young ladies, young men, young adults, parents, Elders, if that's your prayer, lift up your hands with me right now. Say, God, I want to see beyond tonight. I want to see beyond the moment, Lord, and I want to trust you that you're walking my path, Lord. I want to act on the recognition that you want to use my life, God. You want to pour your spirit through my life. You want me to be a channel that your spirit flows through, Lord. God, you've got destiny in mind tonight. You've got a purpose in mind for every person here, Lord. And I pray that nothing will stop that purpose from being done. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And everyone, can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, if you brought it tonight, and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 11. Genesis, chapter number 11. Now, I want to ask two things of every person here. Everybody that's breathing right now, would you put your eyeballs right on my forehead right here? 
I want to ask two things of every person under the sound of my voice tonight. I'm going to ask you to be very prayerful as I preach tonight because I believe God wants to speak something in this house. I don't believe there's any disposable services. I don't think there's any throwaway services. I believe if you're here and God's here, anything's possible. And I believe that one service can change somebody's life. Do I have a witness in the house? One service can change somebody's life forever. I still remember one service when I was 13 years old that forever changed my life. I remember one service when I was 18 years old that changed the destiny of my life and provided an opportunity for me to even be standing on this platform tonight. One service can change everything. So I'm going to ask you to be very prayerful and, uh, and, and, and if you would, and this is not because it's been a problem, it hasn't, but let's just limit the moving in and out tonight because we want God to speak tonight. Amen? And then number two, would you consider and would you act on praying with me at the close of this message for what God is saying in your life specifically? And I'm speaking that to every person here. I know you may have come, and thank you to all of our older folks that are here. I honor you. I really feel like what the Scripture says, we are living in houses that we haven't built, and we are drinking from wells that we did not dig. There's some elders here that have dug some stuff out so we could even be here tonight. But I believe God has a word for everybody tonight, every single person in this house. How many of you are ready to hear what God has to say tonight? Praise God. I wish you would just share your Bible with someone that's around you right now. If they don't have a Bible, maybe you could scoot over next to them and, and just show yourself friendly right now. Don't even ask them if it's okay. Just scoot over by them. Amen. The music has been great. Brother Cordell, thank you for your hospitality and your kindness. I give compliments to Brianna and all the praise team tonight. They did a tremendous, tremendous job. Amen. Genesis chapter number 11. In verse number 27. And Brother Soundman, if you can give me as much up here as you can, that'll help my voice. Thank you so much. This is the genealogy, Genesis 11 and 27. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, They went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Would you look at the 12th chapter of Genesis and the first verse? Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. It is from the first verse of chapter 12 that I will lift my subject tonight when the scripture says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I want to preach on this Friday night a very simple message on the unmistakable call of God. The unmistakable call of God. Would you say that with me? The unmistakable call of God. Would you just set your Bible down and lift up your voice with me? And would you just ask that God will speak to your heart and he'll anoint my words. Everybody in the house, would you lift up your voice? Father, I thank you for your spirit that's so strong in this house. I thank you for the great worship that's gone forward tonight. I believe it's been pleasing to you, Lord. I pray in the next few moments that you will drive every distraction out of the way, Lord, and you will let us bring our minds and our thoughts into captivity, and you, Lord Jesus, will speak as only you can, God, because when you speak, when you call, Lord, things change. So I pray, God, I humbly ask that the call of God will rest on this house tonight. Let the call of God rest on this house in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus. And everyone, can you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and for following along in the word of the Lord. Christianity and Judaism and Islam. These are the three major players in the faith world on the earth today. There are many other religions, but those three encompass the greatest percentage of the world's believer population. They are varied and seemingly not interwoven many times at all. And yet there is one event that finds its way into the Jewish Torah, the Holy Bible of Christianity, and the Quran of the Muslim faith, and even into Hindu mythology. And it is the story of a great and massive flood. A flood that was so enormous in scope that it killed all living beings on the earth, save just a few. It is in our Bibles, in Genesis chapter number 7, where the scriptures declare that in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of that month, and on that day, all of the fountains of the great deep were broken up. And the windows of heaven were opened. The Bible tells us that it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. 
Now, I must confess, when I was a child, I thought, what's the big deal? I've seen it rain for one night or a couple of nights, and it's not too bad. But just perchance, the Lord was to allow it to rain here in Oconomowoc for four straight days without stopping. There would be emergencies everywhere. And that's just a tenth of the time period upon which the rain came in the Bible. This tale of destruction and yet great mercy toward mankind must have been passed down from one generation to the next. It was first communicated by Noah to his son Shem in real time and in experience. They both went through all of that. And it was Shem who probably was the one who told his son by the name of Arphaxed about this flood that he had come through. And it was Arphaxed that told his son Selah, who told his son Eber, who told his son Peleg, who told his son Ryu and his son Serug, who told his son Nahor, who told his son Terah about this massive flood that had affected their family generations previous. And so it had to have been Terah who voiced to his son Abram Abram, let me tell you about this great flood. Ten generations removed from the ark builder, we find an altar builder named Abram. Noah was Abram's great, 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 great grandfather. Ten generations of hearing the call from God, hearing a call from heaven to build a boat out of gopher wood and make rooms in that ark, make sure you cover it inside and outside with pitch. It's got to be 300 cubits long and 50 cubits wide, and it's got to be 30 cubits high. There's going to be one window in this boat and a door on the side of the ark. There will be three decks for animals and for the human family. And the Bible says that Noah, upon receiving this command from the Lord, did according to all that God had commanded him. But I want to rise in this pulpit on this Friday night and make sure that all of us understand God never arbitrarily makes us do anything. He is not some big cosmic bully that wants to rule our lives, ruin our lives, and make us do everything that he says. But he does call us. Let me give you some Bible for this. It's in the book of Revelation, chapter number three. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody hears my voice, 
and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will dine with him and he with me. And so perhaps this is why it wasn't altogether strange when Abram, ten generations removed from the ark builder, became an altar builder and heard God say, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I am preaching tonight about something that has touched my life deeper than anything else in the history of who I am, and that is the call of God. When God calls somebody and we respond, we will never be the same again. When God calls somebody, when God speaks somebody's name, when God shows up on a Friday night and calls us by name and imprints a spirit on our lives that says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a direction for you. I've got something in mind for your life that's way bigger than what you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, when you hear that and when we respond to that we will never be the same again it is my firm belief that we can never hear God's call and act as though it didn't happen this is why people will try to run to the far edges of the earth to get away and to desensitize them from the call that is on their life but you can't drink a call away you can't smoke a call away. You can't run a call away. You can't jog to the four corners of the earth trying to get away from what God spoke to you at an altar on a Friday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. There is something about a call from God that'll get burned in your memory that you will never forget as long as you live. And I'm just simple enough on this Friday night to believe that the God that we felt his presence is big enough tonight to speak to somebody and they open up to that tonight and this service September the 19th 2014 can be a night that somebody looks back on and says that's the night that I heard the call from God that's the night that I responded to the call from God we'll never be the same we'll never ever ever be the same now I want you to see something from this passage. First of all, it is proof positive in Genesis chapter number 12 that when God calls, we cannot stay where we're at. That's good preaching, Brother Gaddy. God did not say, Noah, just come on your own terms. Noah, just build it however you want. Noah, you just do it however you want. He said, Noah, you can't stay in your comfort any longer because your future and the future of your family depends on you getting up and acting on what I have called you to do. 
Abram, you can't stay in your country any longer. You can't stay in your father's house any longer. You can't stay in these familiar surroundings any longer. The call of God requires that I get up and I move from where I'm at. Now, just so you, you, you kind of understand tonight, do you know God's been calling ever since we walked into this house? Woo. Some are going, no, I haven't heard God say go to Zimbabwe yet tonight. I'm not just talking about a missions call, but do you know when we walked in this house tonight, God's spirit was calling for us. He was saying, go ahead and worship me just a little bit. Go ahead and praise me just a little bit. Go ahead and step into and enter into my presence. God's been calling before we ever walked in this house. God's been calling us to respond. And let me tell you what's been happening because I've watched it around the sanctuary. There's about 95% of the folk in this room right now that have said, you know what, God, I hear you calling me to worship and I'm gonna step into worship tonight. I've seen hands go up in the air. I've heard voices lifted to the Lord. I've seen some people get up on their feet. I've seen some people dancing in the spirit. What is that? That is proof positive that when God calls us, we cannot stay where we're at this is why when you and I come into the presence of God we can't sit like a ward on a pickle waiting for Jesus to come for us we got to get up on our feet we got to lift up our hands we've got to respond why because he's calling us he is calling us to worship and when he calls us we can't stay the same Come on, I wish we'd do a little bit of that praise right now. I wish somebody would just respond to the call for worship right now. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God on Friday night. I want you to turn to someone and look right at them and say, you can't stay where you're at. You know, now that's good if you got half a heartbeat, but I want you to turn with gumption right now and say it loud to somebody. Say, you can't stay where you're at. This is one of those nights I feel like I'm going to internally combust before I leave the house. Brother Flick, when I come into the presence of God, shame on me if I think I've had a bad day, I'm worn out, I'm tired. No, I feel a call from God tonight, and when I sense him calling me to worship, I got to get up out of my pew, and I've got to give him the praise that he is worthy of. Why? Because he's calling for that. I said he's calling for that. He deserves my action. Come on, Abram, you got to get up. You got to get out of your country. You can't stay there. It's a call. I have this distinct memory when I was a teenager, we had an exchange student that came from France. He spent six weeks with us in Chicago. And I remember when he came, he was a Jewish boy, and he had never, ever, ever been in an, a Pentecostal service, ever. He'd never been in a Christian church. 
And he showed up. The first service was on a Sunday night. He flew in on a Sunday afternoon. And we came to church Sunday night. And we sat down. And I began to pray. And here was my prayer. Oh, Jesus. Would you please let everybody calm down tonight? Would you please let it be one of those sober services? One of those amazing grace type of services? One of those I need thee, oh I need thee, every hour I need thee kind of services. Lord, please don't let Sister Rodriguez get worked up. God, please don't let our great worshipers show out tonight. Oh God, I don't want to freak my exchange student out. Oh Lord, would you please answer my prayer? And I'm here to testify on this Friday night that when I prayed that, God did not answer that prayer. Somebody didn't get the memo that we had guests in the house. So we didn't get about five minutes into worship service and I preached about her Wednesday night. Sister Rodriguez got out in the aisle and started dancing for all she was worth. And all, how many of you know when someone does that, it's going to lap over on somebody else? And all of a sudden, somebody else is going to feel Jesus, and they're going to get out in the aisle and do, start dancing a little. Before long, we're having a full breakout Pentecostal worship service, and my exchange student's got eyes as big as silver. He doesn't know what in the world he got himself into. I just got off a plane, and now I'm around a bunch of crazy folks. I was back there and I was dying a hundred deaths. Oh God, calm it down. Oh God, please calm it down. And it seemed like we were in a season of worship for six weeks. My French exchange student got ready to go home and they passed out surveys to all the exchange students and they said, all right, one to five, what were your favorite things about being in the United States? And here's what this Jewish boy from France said. The number one thing he liked the most was orange juice. He said, I love the orange juice at Tim's house. He said, number two, I love the way those folks act when they come to church. He told me, he said, I don't understand anything y'all are doing but I feel something. Let me tell you what that is. That's the call of God. I can take you to the pew where Emmanuel, my exchange student, had tears dripping down his face. He didn't know what it was he was feeling, but he was feeling the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank God for apostolic worship. I thank God for Pentecostal power. I am not a bit ashamed of what God is calling me to be. In fact, let me just kind of come right down in our business tonight. There is a pervasive thought in some schools tonight that says if we're going to reach into our culture, we got to bring it down to where it's palatable for everybody and we're not offensive. Hear me tonight. I'm not preaching offensive worship, but I am telling you we are spirit-filled people. And spirit-filled people respond to the call to worship. 
Come on, somebody. He's calling us to get up from where we are right now. I am being called to praise him. And I can't stay here. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. Somebody praise him with me right now. Somebody glorify him tonight. Hallelujah. Shout it at me, say, I can't stay here. Shout it at me, say, I can't stay here. When God calls, I can't stay where I'm at. Be seated, please. Here's what I also know from the scripture about the call of God, this unmistakable call of God. Every call of God will have an opportunity to get distracted. In fact, it is my strong belief that the number one enemy of the call of God is distraction. Here's what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter number eight when Jesus Saw great multitudes, verse 18, about him. He gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus is pulling the bow back and shooting the arrow at the target for us to understand that his call will always come with opportunity to get distracted. I want to make a statement. I want you to listen to this. This is a good tweet right here I'm fixing to give you. Jesus does not make a good fit in our lives. But he makes a great first. God does not want to fit in our lives. In fact, let me just tell you how I feel. He can't just fit in our lives. We don't have a hole in our, in our heart that just is the perfect size for God. He doesn't want to try to fit in our lives. He wants to be first in our lives. And I found out a long time ago, it's so much easier living for God if he's number one and he's not just an added thing on the side. Do I have a witness in the house right now? When I say, Lord, you are everything, my money is yours, my body is yours, my family is yours, my future is yours, you're going to be number one in my life. I'm not going to get distracted, but I'm going to focus on your call in my life. God does not, hear me teenagers, he does not want to fit in your life. He wants to be first. Everybody say first. Turn to someone and hold up a bony index finger and say number one. First. There's always going to be opportunity for distraction. There's always going to be false intentions and false targets it was why the scripture says in Matthew 19 and 16 behold one came and said to him good teacher what good thing shall I do 
that I may have eternal life. She said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Can you see as Jesus is saying these, that that man is checking them off in his mind? Yeah, I got that one. I got that one. Woohoo! I got that one. We're on a good path. I got that one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Now, brothers and sisters and friends on this Friday night, I really believe that when he asked that question, he was not expecting an answer. I got it all. Surely there's nothing else that I lack. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You know what? I don't have my own version of the Bible, but if I did, the Tim Gaddy version of the Bible would have finished by saying, not that he had great possessions, but great possessions had him. Because the call of God will always have attached to it opportunity to become distracted. I got to focus on it. That's why we used to sing that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. I mean, remember this song? In the light, when we get our eyes upon Jesus and his call in our life, we refuse to be distracted. Now, now, now please hear me, and I'm, I'm, wanting, I'm wanting God to speak tonight, and I believe he is speaking in this house. I find it very interesting that in the scripture, the pathway to God's calling is always littered with things that are left behind. Because you know what? I've lived long enough. I'm not an old man. Not necessarily a young man. I'm kind of a middle-aged guy. But I have lived long enough to know that when, the God, when God calls us, listen very closely, we don't come on our terms. He determines the terms. And can I say it like this? Listen very close. All he really asks for is everything. Ah! He said the E word. What he asks for is not a part of us, 
but everything. Now watch this, watch this. I saw this, and it's just, it marvels me. Every time in the Bible, you see God calling people. If you look close enough in the background, you'll see things that they left behind. When Jesus walked up to Matthew at the tax collecting table, and he said to him, Levi, follow me. The Bible says that Matthew got up from the tax table, left it, and followed Jesus. And so now in the wake of the call is an empty desk needing an employee. Because when you and I respond to the call of God, there will always be things left behind. Oh, Lord, I want to follow your call, but do you realize how important this is to me? Or that is to me? Do you know how important that person is to me? Do you know how important that activity is to me? Oh, that God would speak to us on this Friday night and get us to the point where we would say, Lord, whatever you ask of me, I'll give you everything. Why? Because according to your word, there will always be things that are left behind. But please hear me. There is never anything left behind that even comes close to comparing to what God wants to give us if we will respond to his call. Come on, somebody. God gives us better. God gives us more. God touches us in ways that those things could never touch. There's an empty tax table that Matthew left behind. There's people that are left behind. There are nets in Matthew 4 that Peter and Andrew left behind. There's an empty boat that James and John left behind in Matthew 4. There's a dad named Zebedee who when his two boys, James and John, heard Jesus walk by and say, follow me. Get the picture. Watch this now. Zebedee, daddy's in the boat. They're mending nets. And this Galilean walks by and says, you two, follow me. And they get up, they leave the boat behind, and they leave their daddy sitting in the boat. Now, please understand what I'm preaching and what I'm not preaching. That's not a license to treat our fathers bad. Don't walk out of here and say, Brother Gaddy said, I need to have nothing to do with my daddy. But how many of you know, how many of you have lived long enough that there are some relationships you've got to leave behind if you're going to follow the call of God? It might not be your daddy, but it might be a girlfriend. It might be a boyfriend. It might be a friendship. Do we have to be mean about it? No, we don't have to be mean about it. But we must be decisive to say, God, your call means everything. I'm willing to lay everything aside to follow your call everything is yours not a part of me not just Friday night but every day of my life is yours every day you're in control from this point forward now I want to finish with this and I want you to hear me the call of God has a destination that's the same every time. Did you know that? The call of God for you and the call of God for me 
ends up in the same place every time. And that is a destination simply called faith. I have to trust that when I step toward the call, he's got the end in mind. But can I just help somebody tonight? The Holy Ghost helps somebody tonight. In my experience, most of the time I have found that when God calls us, listen very closely to this, he will make it clear enough for me to start walking. But he'll leave it foggy enough for it to require faith. Because if he spells it all out for us, why do we need faith? a very distinct memory I told you Wednesday night I'm from Chicago and when I was 10 years old I'm sorry when I was 13 years old I went over to my aunt's house she lived in the town right next door to us it was in the month of uh, April early April I was 13 and that year I'm a big sports fan and that year in the NCAA basketball tournament, the University of Houston Cougars were playing the North Carolina State Wolfpack in the national championship. And a, a few days before the national championship, the regional games were going on, and I went to my aunt's house, and she was a big sports fan as well, she still is, and she had a game on the television, and I walked into her living room. Remember, I'm 13 years old. And I walked into her living room, and I sat down on the chair, and I was watching a little bit of the game. And the home team had the logo of their mascot painted on the middle of their floor. As I know you've seen pictures of, Wisconsin Badgers and all that. But this team had the most unusual mascot painted on the middle of their floor. And so I, I, I grabbed my aunt and I said, Aunt Betty, come here just a second. What in the world is that thing on the middle of the basketball floor? And she said, well, that's a Razorback. That's the mascot of the University of Arkansas. I said, what is a Razorback? She said, it is a wild hog. Next words, God is my witness. Next words out of my mouth. Who in their right mind would have a hog as their mascot? That is absurd. Little did I know that years later, God would send me to the home of the hogs. And I would become a fan of those whom I ridiculed previously. How many of you know God has a good sense of humor? Now, as a 13-year-old young man sitting in my aunt's living room, if God had showed up in that living room and said, Tim, 
you're going there and you're going to be a preacher. I'm going to tell you right now, I would have rebelled like you've never seen somebody rebel. Because although I had been brought up in apostolic church, I had no desire to be a preacher. I love God. I love my youth group. I love my pastor. But I want nothing to do with preaching. I didn't want to be a preacher. I sure enough didn't want to go somewhere where they thought hogs were important. I did not want to live in the South. I did not want to be a part of anything that was on that floor. I did not. I couldn't have seen that coming a million miles away. But how many of you have lived long enough to know if you'll just step toward what God is calling in your life, he will open up doors that you do not see coming right now. There are nations in this world that are going to be impacted by people sitting in this room right now. You say, how do you know that, Brother Gaddy? We're from Wisconsin. Wisconsin people don't end up overseas. No, let me tell you who ends up overseas. People that respond to the call of God. We never know what God's going to do. We never know where God's going to call us. He calls us to faith. Just trust me. Just take a step in that direction and then take another step in that direction. Our musicians can come. I'm gonna ask everyone to keep your attention right here. Several years ago, I heard a man help me. Doc, he helped me with this. I've read that verse my whole life, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Can you help me with something here, bro? Come here just a second. Come up here with me. All right. I'm, I'm going to walk that way. And when I get ready to walk, I just want you to pick up right down by my ankle and help literally move my foot, okay? Yeah, yeah not, don't, don't bend it the wrong way, but just, <laughs> just walk me that way. Okay. One step, okay? All right, so I, I remember growing up, I, I heard preachers preach and teachers teach the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so I grew up with this idea that God, when it got time for me to move, you ready? Go ahead and grab it. Would pick up my foot and would move it. And I'd go, ooh, he's moving my life. Okay, we're gonna go with this one back here. Ready? And then when I got comfortable with that, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And God would pick up this one and, Ooh, I'm getting closer to the will of God. Ready? One more. Ooh, oh, God's moving. He's ordering my steps. And then I actually started studying the Bible. How many of you know sometimes the Bible can mess up our ideas? And a preacher helped me with this. He said, Tim, if it's always God moving your feet, why are you even there? 
He said all throughout the Bible, people took steps. And then God walked in and ordered everything around it. And then somebody takes another step in faith and God identifies that. That's what I'm looking for. And he steps in and orders everything around that step of faith. And then I take another step of faith and God says, that's what I'm looking for. And he steps in and orders everything around it. And before we know it, we are walking by faith. And God is honoring those steps of faith. And he's coming in behind us and he's bringing a spouse based on our walk of faith. And he's coming and bringing us children in due time based on our relationship with God that is built on faith. And he's moving us and sometimes moving us to different states and places and career paths and and ideas. How is he doing that? Is it some magic that he's picking up our feet? No, he's just watching us walk by faith. And he says, that's what I'm looking for. It's as though Jesus says, that's the person that I can use. Isn't it amazing the ones that preach the message of Pentecost and according to the book of Acts, turned the world upside down were the ones that Jesus said, follow me. He turned around and started walking, believing that if they were really going to follow him, they'd be following behind There's a great anointing in this house right now. There's the call of God on this house right now. And I want us just to pray. I'd like to have some prayer warriors touch heaven with me right now. I need some intercessors to rise up in the Holy Ghost right now and begin to pray out loud. I feel the holy rush of God's Spirit in this house. There's some 16-year-old young ladies. There's some college students right now. There's some teenagers you just joined the youth group that God's calling you right now. God's speaking to you right now, bud. There's some young adults that God's speaking to. There's some young couples that God's speaking to right now. God's God's just challenging us. Would you just take a step of faith? Would you just walk in faith? Would you let me order everything around that? Would you let me come alongside your faith? This unmistakable call of God. Come on, Mom, God's calling for you tonight. I know you feel like maybe you've disqualified yourself from the call of God, but trust me, you haven't disqualified yourself. If you feel God's nudging tonight, that's proof He's still calling right now. He is still calling right now. Come on, prayer warriors, would you help me pray right now? I'm going to open up this altar in just a second. There's going to be people that are going to be open to God, and they're going to come with their hands lifted saying, God, I'm yours. I'm going to respond to the call of God in my life. I'm not going to disqualify myself. I'm not going to walk out on the call, but I'm going to give myself to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord Jesus. I'll be who you want me to be, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 
or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.